All right, turn in your Bibles this evening, if you will, to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter number 16. And we will start another round through the wheel of the Christian life. And this evening, once again, we'll be focusing on looking at the thought of Jesus being the center of our lives. Matthew chapter number 16 is a a chapter that is nearing the end of Jesus' life here on earth. Matthew chapter number 16, Jesus is speaking um, some to the disciples toward the end of the chapter. And his time of going to the cross is rapidly approaching. And here in the end of Matthew chapter number 16, Jesus has just finished revealing to his disciples that he is headed to the cross. And Matthew chapter number 16, verse number uh, 21, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Ouch. Can you imagine being Peter on that day? Jesus has just finished bursting the disciples' bubble, right? And really, you have to kind of try to put yourselves in the shoes of the disciples. When they thought of the Messiah, when they looked at Jesus, their minds all along, even in the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 1, as Jesus is getting ready to ascend up into heaven, their minds are still thinking earthly kingdom, earthly kingdom, earthly king. They're thinking of Jesus as Jesus is going to come and he's going to set up the, the reign and rule of the nation of Israel, his kingdom, and they're going to, he's going to run the Romans out. And so when Jesus comes here in Matthew chapter number 16 and he tells the disciples that he's going to die, he's going to be killed and be raised again the third day, Peter, he just cannot understand what Jesus is saying to the point that he feels that he knows better than God. He knows better than the Messiah, and he rebukes Jesus. Now, we look at this text and we think, well, Peter, what a dummy. You know, you put your foot in your mouth. I would never say anything like that. Now, hold on. Hold the phone. How about every single time you and I choose to do something that we know is wrong or choose to go away that we know that God does not want us to go, or any time that we impose our will over top of God's will, is that not doing the same thing? Is that not saying to God, I know better than you do. I, I know what you have to say, God, but I'm going to do this instead because I want to or I think I'm wiser or fill in the blank, whatever. We can often be like Peter. So Jesus gives Peter a strong rebuke. A strong rebuke and tells him there at the end of verse number 23, For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. 
And we've talked a lot in the last several Sunday mornings and even some of the Sunday night messages. This theme keeps coming back of viewing things with the eyes of the flesh. Peter, as Jesus said all of this, Peter was viewing what was going to happen through the eyes of the flesh. The eyes of the flesh to Peter say, Jesus, you can't die. You're supposed to be setting up this earthly kingdom. We're supposed to be ushering in a wonderful time here on earth. And you're saying that none of this is going to happen now. What in the world? That can't happen. But reality is, right, it's far better what Jesus did than what would have happened had Jesus just set up his earthly kingdom then without purchasing salvation for mankind. So Peter was looking through the eyes of the flesh. He was savoring that, the things that be of God, or not savoring the things that be of God, but rather the things that are of men. And if you and I are not careful, we can often do the exact same thing on a daily basis. We can live our lives savoring the things of men, viewing our lives, viewing the world around us, viewing what is important through the eyes of the flesh, savoring the things of men and not the things of God. And so it's in this context that we'll get to our text for this evening. And that, it begins there in verse number 24, and it's a familiar passage, but oftentimes we, we separate out verse 24, 25, 26. We separate those out without the context of what just happened. The context of what just happened, the fact that Peter was rebuking Jesus Christ because he was viewing situations, he was viewing what Jesus had to say through the eyes of the flesh, savoring the things of men and not the things of God. It's in that context that Jesus says in verse 24, unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Jesus here is teaching a very important truth to his disciples. There's something here that he wants them to grasp onto. And the same is true for you and I this evening. If we would call ourselves disciples of Jesus, if we would, in the context of what we're talking about, have Jesus in the center of our life, if we would have our lives wholly submitted to him, Jesus has some words of instruction for us. So first of all this evening, we'll notice the path that we must walk. And you'll notice the first phrase there in verse number 24, Then said Jesus unto his disciples. Unto his disciples. Jesus isn't talking to the Pharisees here. He's not talking to a crowd of Jewish people. He's not just talking to mankind in general. He's talking to the twelve disciples. He's talking to those who have left all to follow him. Those who have identified with him in a unique way. And he says, If any man will come after me. If any man will come after me. He's admonishing his disciples that following him is not going to necessarily be an easy thing. 
And in our, our day of Christianity, quote-unquote, uh, following Jesus, is, it's often posed as this easy, flowery thing. Like, oh yeah, you just give your, just give your life to Jesus and everything will be great. Well, Jesus phrases it a whole lot differently. He says, if any man will be my disciple, let him take up his cross. Let him deny himself. That doesn't sound comfortable, does it? Deny myself, take up my cross? Wait, what happened to the flowery part about giving my life to Jesus? Now, Jesus says that if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. He's warning those who would follow after him to sit down and count the cost. You know, there are many people who like to say that they are following after Jesus. There are many people who would raise their hand in a crowd of Christians and say, yes, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus. But the reality is that anyone can say that they follow Jesus. But Jesus says that just saying it isn't necessarily what makes it so. He's saying, if any man will come after me, if anyone desires to come after me, if anyone is going to come after me, so we see the path that we must walk, but we'll see the price that we must pay. The first thing that Jesus says, if you're going to come after me, if you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to follow me, let him deny himself. Deny himself. The first part of the price that you and I must pay is that of self-denial. If we would do more than just call ourselves the followers of Christ and actually follow him, Jesus says that we must deny ourselves. You think about if you're going to follow someone, I mean physically, if you're going to follow someone, you're going to go on a hike, right? And you're going, maybe you're going somewhere that you've never been before. You're walking down a path you've never walked down before, and so you're going to follow someone. It necessitates that you actually be behind them or alongside of them and that you go in the same direction as them. Maybe you've tried to follow someone driving before and they've said, yeah, just, just follow me. And they pull out and gun it and they go right, they go through a yellow light and they make a quick turn and wait, how am I supposed to follow you? But it'd be goofy to have someone say, okay, well, follow me. Oh yeah, I'll follow you. And you start following them, and they turn their right turn signal on, and they get in the right turn lane, and you turn your left turn signal on, and you get in the left turn lane. And they turn right at the light, you turn left. You say, well, I'm following them. No. No, you're not. You're doing your own thing. But yet, how many people will say that, oh, I'm following Jesus Christ, but yet they're going in the, the pathway that they want to walk? If you and I are going to follow Jesus Christ, we must, must actually follow him. We must actually go in his footsteps. We must deny ourselves. We must deny our dreams, our desires, our wants. Anytime that what I want comes up in opposition with following Jesus Christ, if I'm going to be his follower, then it necessitates that what I want dies. What I want doesn't matter. What I want says, you know what? Oh, who cares? If I'm going to follow after Jesus, 
then I'm going to actually have to follow him. There's, there's, no really, uh, there's no real middle ground there. There's no, well, I'm kind of following him and kind of not. We either are following him or we're not. But following him necessitates a denial of self. The reality is that many are not willing to pay this price. There are many who would like to call themselves the followers of Christ. But really, they're just following their own paths and putting Jesus' name on top of it. Many people walk in the way that they want to while couching it in spiritual-sounding terms. Jesus, he doesn't mince words. He says, if any man will follow me, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Deny himself. I was reading a book earlier this week, and I actually wasn't reading it for this message, but it was talking about this very thing. I thought I marked the page here. Here we go. A denial of self. The author was talking about some of the the things that are necessary to be a true disciple of Jesus. And I like the way that he worded this. Denial of self is not the same as self-denial. The latter means foregoing certain foods, pleasures, or possessions. But denial of self means such complete submission to the Lordship of Christ that self has no rights or authority at all. It means that self abdicates the throne. It is expressed in these words, Lord, let me have no will of my own, or consider my true happiness as depending in the smallest degree on anything that can befall me outwardly, but as consisting altogether in conformity to thy will. I'll read that again real quick, because it's worded in a way that you and I don't really talk anymore. Lord, let me have no will of my own, or consider my true happiness as depending in the smallest degree on anything that can befall me outwardly, but as consisting altogether in conformity to thy will. He's saying, God, let my happiness not come from the outward circumstances, the things that I can see in this life, the things that I want in this life, but rather, God, let me be happy. Let me find happiness in how I am conformed to thy will. Now, that's easy to say. It's easy to say, yeah, I want to have that kind of heart attitude. I want to follow Christ like that. But you start to put that into practical terms of everyday life, it starts to hurt a little bit, right? I mean, if you're going to make that practical, tomorrow morning you wake up and things don't go your way. Well, if I'm submitted to God's will and I'm submitted to following after Him, then I'm not going to get all bent out of shape because the things of this life aren't going the way that they should be. Rather, I'll find happiness in fellowship with Him and following after Him and making sure that I'm conforming myself to His will and doing what He wants for the day. And that's easy to to think about and talk about, but not so easy to live out in reality. But Jesus says that if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on. He says, and take up his cross and follow me. So the second part, the second half 
of the price that you and I must pay is that of taking up our cross. In case the part about denying self is not clear enough, Jesus takes it farther and says that one who would follow him must take up his cross. In other words, we're to die to ourselves. Right? The cross is an instrument of death. It's an instrument of punishment and death. And Jesus says that we're to take it up. We're to bear it. Of course, the clear picture in the coming days, Jesus would literally take up his cross. He would literally take up the thing that he knew was going to be the instrument of his physical death. And not only that, his spiritual separation from God the Father. As the sins of this world were placed upon him, he literally took that on his shoulder. I'm sure that there was the, the flesh part of Jesus that didn't want to do that in a lot of ways. And for you and I, following after Christ, coming after him will often, Jesus says, require denial of self. Taking up that which we do not want to take up so that we will follow after him. The cross represents Jesus' complete and total surrender to the will of the Father. Jesus was willing to deny himself so fully and completely that he went to the cross willingly and offered himself as a sacrifice. You know, last week we talked uh, in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, about being a living sacrifice. Right, this is really the same, it's in the same vein, it's the same thing, that you and I are called to take up our cross, to surrender our will 100% to Christ and to follow after him. There isn't any area of my life that this is not going to affect. Right? If you and I are truly taking up our cross, if we're truly denying self and following him, there's not any area of life that that does not touch. There's not any area of life that that does not filter into. Taking up our cross, submitting our will 100% to him, means that there is no area of my life that's off limits to God or where I am imposing and insisting on my will over his. Taking up our cross means that we're completely and totally yielded to him. You and I must die to ourselves daily if we would follow after him. So we see the path that we must walk. We see the price that we must pay. But then last of all, third of all this evening, we'll see a principle that we can notice or a principle that we must notice. Jesus says there in verse 24, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. So Jesus gives to us this principle that seems kind of contradictory at first notice. Whosoever will lose his or save his life, shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake, shall find it. It seems kind of silly. Well, if I try to save my life, I'm going to lose it, and if I try to lose my life, then I'll save it. What is Jesus talking about? Well, he's giving to us a principle that is contradictory to the eyes of the flesh, but clear to the eyes of the Spirit. 
In the face of such an intimidating command from Christ, many shrink back. Many people desire to run their own lives. If you and I aren't careful, if we're not paying attention, if we're not taking up our cross daily to follow after him, is the default position to shrink back from God's will, right? It's the default position to try to run our own lives. The default is to try to save our own lives. Jesus says that if we try to save our life, we'll lose it. Many are not willing to give control of the choices that they make and the direction that they are going to truly follow after Christ. They view their life as too precious and they want to save it for themselves. Jesus says the irony of that is that those who try to save their life here on earth will lose it. You know, the reality is that if you and I try to be in control of our own lives, we'll ruin it. I mean, if you somehow get control of your life, if you grasp control of the reins of your life and begin to run it, you're going to lose it. You're going to ruin your life. I, I don't say that to be mean, but none of us are good at running our own lives. I, just look back in the Garden of Eden, right? We haven't gotten there yet. We should get there in two Sunday nights. But Adam and Eve, they were completely untouched by sin before eating of the fruit, before the curse was applied, right? They were completely untouched by sin, and they tried to take control of their own lives. It didn't work out real great, did it? How about you and I? How much further down the line are we to think, oh yeah, you know, if I take control of my life, things will really work out great. It's the same stupid lie that they bought in the Garden of Eden, and it didn't work out for them, and yet we fall for it too. That somehow, hey, if I take control of my life, if I go against the will of God in this situation, it'll really work out. No, it really won't. And Jesus says that the reality is that if we try to save our lives, we're going to lose it. It's ironic. It doesn't make sense to the eyes of the flesh, but those who try to save their own life will lose it. But the flip side of that, the opposite, is true. Jesus says, whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. You know, the reality is, that's really not all that bleak. Jesus tells us that when we lose our lives for him, that we'll actually save them. We'll actually find that, huh, it's really not all that bad. That worked out better than I thought it was going to. And I think all of us can look back, if we're truly saved, if we're, we've been walking with God for any length of time, we can look back in our lives at times when we've found both of those to be true. Times when we have gone with the ways of the flesh, we've gone with the eyes of the flesh, we've tried to take control and go against that which we knew to be right, and we've experienced the consequences of that. We can look back and say, yeah, that was a really bad decision. Should not have done that. But we can also look back at times that we made the right decision, where we said, you know what, this really doesn't make sense, but I'm just going to follow God in this. I'm just going to walk with him. I know this is the way that he wants me to go. I don't know how it's all going to turn out. I'll just trust him with it. And you know, every time that any of us have ever done that, we can look back and say, wow, 
That's amazing. It doesn't mean that every time everything is turned out 100% great and perfect and there's never been any pain in it. But we can always look back and say, wow, that was the best possible way through that situation. When you and I will just give our lives to him, when we will lose our lives for his sake, when we will invest our lives in following after him, in taking up our cross, shouldering it up, saying, God, I'm going to trust you in this area. I don't like it. I don't really want to do it but I'm going to do it anyway because I know that it's what you want. I'm going to take up my cross. I'm going to deny myself and follow you. And every time that we do that, we will find that there is gain. That instead of losing our life in serving him, we'll find that we save it. When you and I take up our cross daily and follow after him, we will find the joy, the purpose, the eternal fulfillment that we so deeply need and truly seek after. The truth is that if you and I will lose our lives in Christ, that we'll find them. If we'll lose our lives in Christ, we'll find that we're seeking after things far better than the meaningless trinkets of this world. Jesus goes on there in verse number 26 with a dose of perspective. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, the worst case scenario is that someone would not give their life to Christ. They would seek after the things of this flesh and never submit to him and die not knowing him, and go out into eternity to a Christless hell. That would be the worst case scenario. But you know, even as Christians, what profit is it? If you and I gain the entire world, somehow you and I all become billionaires, seeking after our own ways, the the things of the flesh, we all become billionaires, we get everything that we could possibly want in this life, so what? I mean, how much, how much longer do any of us have? I mean, the youngest of us, me, right? How much longer do I have, right? If I live 100 or 70 more years, I'll be over 100. That's nothing. In light of eternity... You get everything in this life... And then what? You go to heaven, and for all of eternity, wow, what a waste. I was so focused on that short little blip on the radar that I thought was everything. And now that I'm here in heaven, in eternity, I recognize, wow, you know, this is everything. It's kind of like being a kid in school, right? You get so focused on school, and like, school is everything. This is life. And then one day you get out of school and you, you hit the real world and you look back like, wow, life was so easy then. What was I so worried about? I'd give anything to go back to just simplicity. Well, maybe not really. I like not having to go to school. But right, we get so wrapped up in the here and now, in the present, that we forget to have perspective. 
Jesus comes and offers us some perspective this evening. That the real profit, the real gain is not found in seeking after things of this life. Rather, the real profit, real gain comes from seeking after Him. Real gain comes from following after Him like never before. Real gain comes from saying, Jesus, I want to come after you. I want to follow you. Give me the strength that I need to deny myself daily, to take up my cross, to get my eyes and my focus and my perspective off of the things of this world, this life, and to get them onto you. Real gain comes from giving our life in exchange for what Christ wants so that we can gain eternally rather than giving our lives for the fluff of this world and losing eternally. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. I know God stepped on my toes a lot in preparing for this. He's been stepping on my toes reading through this little book. And I hope that this has been a challenge to you as well this evening. Let's pray.